0: Welcome to The Way Church. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For sermon notes, service times, and more information, check us out online at thewaychurchva.com. Now let's join Pastor Matt Rothy with this week's message. Some fishermen, a former tax collector, a former politician, a recovering skeptic, and a few regular dudes are all standing on a hill. No, this isn't a start to a bad joke, but this is 12 men. 12 men from completely different areas of life who could not be themselves more different. This is the start of those men and their families, you and your family, me, and my family, a group of people who are vastly different, all coming together to become one big happy family, one big spiritual family. This is the Bible's account of Jesus ascending into heaven. Now, you might be thinking, Matt, wait just a minute. It's tough enough that I couldn't pick the immediate family I was born into. I'm stuck with them. Why all this talking and acting like we are one big happy family at church. Do we really have to be a spiritual family? Can we, can we just be friends? And what does Jesus' ascension have to do with all this? And does this mean we're going to start having to stand around, hold hands, and sing Kumbaya? Well, first of all, no. If you're new, please know that we have never, and likely I think we will never stand around holding hands, singing Kumbaya, but... Whether you are new or not, it's important to consider this question, to ask why do we talk about being a spiritual family at this church? What's the point of having a spiritual family? Do you need to have one? I mean, really, what are spiritual families for? Well, let me ask, or excuse me, answer that last question What are spiritual families for? Spiritual families are for you and me. Spiritual families are for brothers and sisters in Christ to know Christ. It's for us to know that our older brother is one Christ with us, and our older brother is two Christ victorious. You and I need to know Christ Jesus who ascended into heaven, who is seated at the right hand of God, is our older, better spiritual brother. He is Christ for us and he is Christ victorious. More than just knowing that, as if that weren't enough already, you need to know that means something for you individually, and that means something for us as a faith family. It means members of spiritual families are never alone. It also means that members of spiritual families, well, They're always down to party. Today we're celebrating Ascension. Did you know that Ascension, which we're observing in worship today, but will later actually take place on Thursday, is considered one of the three most important, most celebrated days in all of Christianity. That's right along with Christmas and Easter. You see, that's perhaps a little known fact, because ascension is seldomly observed um, as a massive celebration like Christmas and Easter. But Jesus' ascension is one of the most meaningful days for you and me and everyone who is a part of Jesus' spiritual family. So let's open up God's word and take a look at Luke 24 and see why that is. Jesus, just prior to ascending into heaven, spoke to his disciples, his spiritual family. And this is what he said. Jesus said to him, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened up their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Just before Jesus ascended into heaven, Jesus drops a knowledge bomb on his disciples It's one of the more clear and one of the more concise summaries in all of scripture of the entire narratives of scripture. He says everything that was written in the Old Testament. Yeah, that was all written about me and fulfilled by me. And then Jesus, as he says this, he takes his hands and and like only Jesus can, he opens up the disciples' minds and drops his wisdom into their minds so that they could understand all of scripture, so that they could connect all the dots of prophecy and promise and see that it all points to Jesus. Jesus gave them the ability to understand everything. He showed them that he is the key to unlocking all of scripture. (laughs) You can just hear the disciples collectively let out and, oh, well, except For Peter, of course, who a bit more boldly stands in the middle of everyone just going. It's a mind blow, right? And then Jesus, what he tells his disciples next, it'll change their earthly lives forever. He says, because I suffered, I died and I rose and you saw me do all that in my name and with my authority, you who have witnessed these things get to and have to be my witnesses to the world. Oh, it's a tall task to be sure. But Jesus says, I am going to send you my spirit, for my spirit will help you. My spirit will give you the power. He will clothe you with power in order to witness in my name. And he will gift you. He will gift you and many others throughout the world the gift of faith and the gift of forgiveness in my name. Luke chapter 24 continues saying this. Jesus says, I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. At Jesus' ascension, he promised the Holy Spirit. He promised that the Holy Spirit would come. And then the story of Jesus Christ here on earth fittingly ends with his parting, enduring blessing. Jesus goes up into heaven and he sits down on his throne at the right hand of God. That's how it ends. But really, that's how it all begins. Because do you realize what the ascension means for you and me? The ascension is essential to our Christian faith because this event of Jesus going back into heaven, well, it signals a shift for how in Christ, God is continually present with his people through the Holy Spirit, through the gift of faith in the hearts of his children. No longer would Jesus simply be uh, present physically with his spiritual family on earth, but because he is in heaven, He's always present with us. He's always present with us in his word, giving his spiritual family, his gifts of forgiveness and faith. Think about it. If, if Jesus is now in heaven, that means he can now be present every place on earth. Had he remained on earth in a non-resurrected body, he would not have been present everywhere except the one place in which he was present. But the ascension happened. The ascension happened following the resurrection, which means Jesus is present everywhere. He says he is according to his promises. And where he has most certainly promised to break through and be with us is in the Holy Gospel. It's in Holy Baptism and in Holy Communion. My friends, do you just understand what that means for you? First, it means that the very means that God uses to be with us, the water and the word, the bread and the wine, these are the means by which God adopts us into his family and makes us all one as a spiritual family. And second, well, you need to hear this because it is one of the most important points of the Christian faith. Jesus' ascension and the promise of his spirit, it should give every Christian comfort because it eliminates the guesswork of us trying to find Jesus. He is here. He is Christ with you just as he promised in those things, the water and the word, the bread and the wine. Here, he gives you his presence. Here, he gives you his promise of faith and forgiveness of sins and he does it through the Holy Spirit. Where is Jesus? For a question that for so many is so full of mystery. Well, at least this aspect of the mystery is gone for us. We know where he is. He is here where he promised to be found in his word and sacraments. And that means that you as an individual, us as a spiritual family, you're never alone. We're asking the question, what are spiritual families for? Spiritual families are for spiritual siblings, for you and me to know that our older brother is Christ with us. And that means that spiritual families are for never ever being or feeling alone. Yeah, how many members? How many members of our spiritual family or others or people formerly a part of a spiritual family are suffering from severe aloneness right at this moment. Allow me to read a few short sections from a novel. It comes from a 1970 novel entitled, My Son is a Splendid Driver. In the story, the narrator is a man in his mid-40s and he's visiting his parents for Christmas. They live in a small Kansas town in which he grew up. And when he gets to town, uncharacteristically, his mother isn't there to meet him at the train station, the novels set during the Great Depression. When he arrives at his home, his mother is there, but she's looking extremely thin, and she looks tired. She's in her mid-60s, and well, she gets to the right, right to the point. This is what she says. Why do you suppose I didn't go to the depot? I always do, don't I? I didn't go this time because I'm ashamed to be seen. Then she posed her face before me under the light, and I saw a couple of raw little sores on her lower lip, supposing them to be fever blisters. She said, your father has given me a disease that I don't have the courage to name. See, what's happened in this story is that the author's father, the the narrator's father, has given his mother an STD. His his father contracted it from an extra marital exchange while on a business trip away from home. In the story, the, the narrator, the writer, goes on to reflect on what he's just heard his mother say, and well, this is what he said. Mother had stopped going to church. My mother said church is just a place to go when you're feeling good and have a new hat to wear. There was a little bitterness in what she said, but there was also truth. Our minister would have been the last person in the world she could have talked to to have lifted the curse she felt upon her and saved her from feeling damned. She would have embarrassed the man into speechlessness had she gone to him with her story. He would have been unable to look at her or my father without coloring. Most of our morality, I was beginning to think, was based on a refusal to recognize sin. Our entire religious heritage, it, it seemed to me, was one of refusal to deal with sin. Did you hear why the mother was tense, why she was tired and and thin, why she was hurt physically? Did you hear why it was that she was isolating herself from her spiritual family, her church? And did you hear what was causing her to be crushed by overwhelming aloneness? It was a refusal to recognize and, and to deal with sin. Look, right now, there is what, what I'll call an imperfect storm brewing. There are three very heavy clouds, if you will, closing in on, on people in our communities. First, people usually well-connected to spiritual families, to their spiritual families, are being isolated from their brothers and sisters in Christ because of the coronavirus and the necessary social distancing. I get it. It's an extraordinary experience. But secondly... There's this dark cloud adding to all that, mixing with the first, and it's the reality that for a long, long time, Americans have started to feel that they're safer and safer and safer at home, safer being isolated. Well, due to a cultural philosophy of extreme rugged individualism. Our culture has elevated individuals so far over community where we've reached a point where many believe so strongly in individualism where they as an individual trust only in themselves when it comes to determining what's right and wrong, what they need or what they don't need. There's no one or nothing that matters. So who needs a family? Who needs a family unit? Who needs a spiritual family for that matter? You Take both those and add to them a a most ominous cloud. It's a refusal to recognize and deal with sin, like the novel, I mean, who really wants to wrestle with the reality of sin? And yet it's real. Sin is real. Maybe it's the sin of someone else victimizing and bringing shame on another, like the novel's mother. Maybe it's sin, uh, a person they themselves have committed, and the guilt is, is crushing them, driving them away from others. Maybe it's, it's sin you're dealing with on your own right now, and you don't know what to do with it see, we all probably know more than one person who has dropped out of the church, who has dropped out of Christianity because they felt unable to be themselves or express the truth about themselves and the sin that they're dealing with. And they couldn't do it in the company of Christians and they couldn't do it in the company of their spiritual family for the same reasons the novel's mother couldn't. Maybe right now you're thinking of of dropping out of your spiritual family for that very reason. Like the mother in the novel, real people are really shackled with sin their own sin, or the effects of someone else's sin in their life. And on top of it, making it far worse, they're suffering from aloneness because the one place on earth, the one place where where sinners are welcomed and should see care and love like Jesus in terms of empathy and understanding. I'm I'm talking about the church, that place. For many people, church is instead the place where Christians don't listen to hear The truth of a sinner's experience. They just judge. It happens so often that there's just judgment and there's no grace. Maybe it happens that the devil whispers a lie and he wants us to imagine that spiritual families gathered in churches are really full of nasty people who judge and hate and are going to offer a swift boot out of the door if we ever do come and reveal our sins. So, what happens? Sinners just shut down. Sinners just absent themselves, remove themselves from the context of spiritual families. And sometimes, sometimes they do it for the rest of their lives. Let me ask you this. Do you know anyone? Do you know anyone in your life with whom you can be your whole self with? Is there anyone in your life presently with whom you can confide the most damaging confessions about your thoughts and deeds and and do so safely in full confidence, not only in their empathy and their understanding, but in their keeping their secrets and giving you forgiveness? If you have a person in your life like that, hold on to them, hold on to them for dear life, because that is a real spiritual family member. The fact is, You may not have a person like that. You may be like the mother in the novel. You have no one to talk to, no one to confess to, no one to whom you can reveal that there is something on your heart that is making you suffer. Consider the depth of this aloneness. Consider the depth of solitude caused by the most riveting and yet most closely held truths in your actual life. Spirit, consider the spiritual toll that that can take on someone, not, not to mention the, the physical or the emotional toll. It's that weight, the weight of guilt, the weight of sin, the weight of wrongs done that cannot be undone, things said that cannot be unsaid. That weight, the weight of sin is designed, and what it does do to people, and maybe it's doing this to you right now, the weight of sin makes people experience dreadful aloneness, spiritual isolation. That's what sin is for. But what are spiritual families for? Spiritual families are for siblings, for you and me, for people who sin and are affected by sin, and and really everyone is. Spiritual families are for us to know more deeply, more constantly, more consistently, more fully that our older brother is Christ Jesus. Our ascended Lord and God is our Savior Christ Jesus who creates spiritual families and then calls them to himself through his word and sacraments. And there in those things, he is with us and he is with us and he gives us the antidote to sin. He gives us the antidote to sin and the antidote to the loneliness that sin causes. What he gives us is his full forgiveness, which remedies hearts that are full of pain. He gives us sweet forgiveness, which is the solution that sets us right with God when we are the ones responsible for sinning against him. He gives us forgiveness, which which cures other people's coldness that causes so much unnecessary aloneness. It's in spiritual families, which are only spiritual or family because they unite around God's forgiveness and his faith, and it's there with them. Those people, you receive the gifts of forgiveness. It's because Christ is with us. It's because Christ is for us. And it's because Christ is victorious. Jesus' words from the cross, it is finished, mean we are set free from the impossible burden of having to work our way into God's love and acceptance. We don't need to do or be more to get forgiveness, but Christ is all and all for us. Do you know what that means? Do do you see what it does? It obliterates aloneness, for forgiveness liberates us to admit our faults and our failures our sins and struggles without fear of rejection. The good news of Christianity, the gospel, rings true when we get to, in the context of healthy spiritual families, finally disclose to them that we are weak and we need help, that we fail, that we're not as put together as we want everyone to think we are. That right there is when the rushing winds of God's amazing grace blows through and reminds us Because Jesus was strong for us, we're free to be weak. Because Jesus was extraordinary, we're free to be ordinary. Because Jesus succeeded for us, we're free to fail. And because Jesus won for us, we're free to lose. That's what spiritual families are for. What are families for? What are spiritual families for? They're for reminding you of forgiveness. Spiritual families are for reminding you that Christ is our older brother, ascended into heaven, seated at the right hand of God, and he is Christ victorious. And that means that spiritual families, well, spiritual families are always down to party. Look, the son in the novel, my son is a splendid driver, understood very perceptively, that his mother's recoil from the church when she discovered that she had a disease, well, it was wrong, but it was what was happening. When he perceptively found out that she wasn't welcome, that the reason was because she had sin associated with her. Made for a sad story. But how about we rewrite that story? Let's rewrite that story at our church. How about we celebrate, no, not sin, but we celebrate the boundless forgiveness found in Christ? How about when we gather as a community or we gather together individually with other members of our spiritual family and we realize and acknowledge our sins, we don't for a moment let that sin drive someone to despair and do so alone but together we lift our voices and celebrate Christ with us. We celebrate Christ for us. We celebrate Christ victorious. And in so doing, we lift that person up out of guilt, give them forgiveness, and let them know they're never alone. That's what spiritual families are for, for never being alone in our sin. Spiritual families are for never being isolated by guilt and shame. Spiritual families are for hearing the precious words That you are forgiven and throwing a party with the sounds of that sweet song playing loud. Well, that's what Jesus' disciples did. After Jesus lifted up his hands, blessed them, and continued blessing them, and was taken up into heaven, then they worshiped him. Then they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple praising God with great joy. With continual praises. They worshiped. They had a party. They celebrated the forgiveness that they received in Christ's name and they got to share by his authority. That's what the first spiritual family did on Ascension. Let's make our church, our spiritual family, a place for that, a place for you, a place for you where you can come and know no matter what when you come here, you're going to come and get the goodness of Christ. Let's make our church not just a place you go when you're feeling good and you have a new hat to wear. No. Let's make this place a place for you to come and receive from Christ in the context of a healthy spiritual family, the things that really we all need, the things that really only Christ can give, His forgiveness his love. He does it in the water and his word. He does it in the bread and the wine. And the only reason, the only reason why this spiritual family can rewrite that story and be the place that gives those gifts, well, it's because Jesus Christ wrote himself into the human story and there was victory. Let's be a place for you. Let's be a place for that. Let's be a place for forgiveness. Let's be a spiritual family like that. After all, what are spiritual families for? Amen.